Welcome to 50 Words for Murder, where we delve into the stories behind the headlines. I'm your host, Justin, and today we have an incredible guest joining us, Gracie Solomon. Before I go further, I must issue a trigger warning for CSA and domestic violence. Last week's episode, decoding the death of Grant Solomon, we spoke to Gracie's mother, Angie, about her son's suspicious death. Today, Gracie's going to share her own story about her experiences and losing her brother. So, Gracie, thank you so much for being here today and taking thank the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, before you introduce yourself, which I'm going to let you do, I just want to tell the listeners that I met you in person last week at a vigil for your brother, Grant. And she really is. I know she won't gush on herself, so I will. Um, she's absolutely remarkable. She's 16, runs track. And my understanding is you're, well, I don't say an understanding, you're, you're like made state or something. You can get into that. Um, <laughs> she is really good. She has a 4.22 GPA, which I didn't even know was possible because I got nowhere near that. She's very smart, very sweet, and just an all-around good human. So now, if you'd like to tell the listeners a little about you and what brings you on here today. Okay, well, my name is Gracie Solomon. I'm here, sadly, because I have been failed over and over again by multiple, I guess, states, you could say, systems. I've endured sexual abuse since as long as I can remember from to about like 11 or 12 years old. My brother mysteriously died just recently in 2020 uh, with my father being the only witness and there was no proper investigation to that. And my family's just been really wronged and I've been wronged over and over again. And I've told my story multiple times and no one seems to listen. And that's why I'm here. Well, people are listening now, fortunately. We've um, started a, we'll call it a movement, is at the early stages where we are trying to fight for well-deserved justice for you and Grant. And I do appreciate your bravery and courage in sharing your story. I know it isn't easy. And I know that you've done it before and it wasn't easy then. And I guess, would you feel comfortable giving us some context about your experience, how everything kind of unfolded? Yeah. So ever since I was probably three or four years old, I was um, molested and eventually raped by my father, Aaron Solomon. I was mentally abused as well. I was very belittled. My brother was... um, My father and him didn't have a good relationship at all, but he was all about his athletics and how smart he was. And he kind of just left me to think I was dumb and unworthy and just not important. And he literally told me that you're dumb and you don't know what you need. And he's told multiple people that, and that's kind of his way of getting around a lot of like court situations is saying that, oh, she's too young. She doesn't know what she needs. She doesn't know what she wants, which has made me work even harder today as a human just striving to prove him wrong because I'm not, I'm not stupid, but I was molested almost every night to say the least, whether that be in the bath, in his bed, I was drugged to let him be able to do that. I was molested in multiple different counties in Tennessee, along with raped in another state, um, North Carolina. I mean, there's just so much that um, has happened to me. And 
it's hard to even think about today and it still bothers me because he's still walking around and um it's hard to it's hard to know that I've been let down so much given what I've gone through it's a lot it's a lot to go through and I think it's probably going to bother you for for a long time if not forever my life yeah yeah and the fact that he is walking around, we'll get into a little bit more details on that here uh, later in the episode. But yeah, you have been failed by the justice system, by your church, by a lot of adults, really everybody but your mom at this point, um, mm-hmm. and Grant, obviously. Yes. And again, I appreciate you sharing that. I know that's a very difficult topic. I think it will resonate with, unfortunately, a lot of people. But yeah, it is just incredible bravery to, to share that. So the impact of childhood sexual assault can be overwhelming and long-lasting. How did the abuse affect you emotionally, mentally, and physically during your childhood and as you've grown older? Um, the sexual abuse has really affected me. Currently, it still bothers me when I try and go to sleep, just knowing that the monster who did this to me and my family is still walking around and no one's doing anything about it. When I was actually living with him, I was in a really bad physical state. I was really malnourished and just depressed and crying and screaming every night, just wanting my mom. And they would just tell me to be quiet and you're not going to see her and it's not going to change. And so I, he wouldn't even let me have milk. I wasn't allowed to have like snacks. I was just very, like the sexual assault has and will bother me so much to an extent that I can't even explain. But not only that, but the way he treated me while I was living with him made it even worse, just on top of it, like how he treated me and how he wouldn't feed me properly or the way that I was unable to communicate with my mom the way I wanted to, or just if I was sick, he wouldn't take care of me. He would say, you're fine, go to school. A lot of things came on top of it, but he treated me horribly. Overall, I was just used and that's what bothers me now is that I was just used for his own gratification, you can say. And that's what hurts. And knowing that I don't have a good father figure in my life bothers me probably the most. And yeah, just knowing that I've gone through all of that and no one's doing anything just really hurts. So your mom shared a story with me, um, you know, a few years ago, you were what 12 or 13 when you recorded the YouTube video. And off, I can't remember the title off the top of my head. What's the title of it? You I think know? it's a, a Cry for Help. Yeah. So you can, you can search her name, Gracie Solomon, A Cry for Help, if you want more details on this. Uh, well, I'll let you share this. Your mom explained to me why you made the decision to share that story. And... I don't know. That one was like a bullet to the chest for me when she told me that. If you want to, I don't want to steal your story, but if you want to share what made you, what came about to make you want to share that story, that's something important to share. Yeah. Okay. Well, just 
a few months before I released that, my brother was killed, um, Grant Solomon. From what I believe, my father killed him. And I'm just going to say this from my perspective, knowing that my father was able to do that to my big, strong 18-year-old brother um, really made me stop and think, what if I die? Um, So I told my mom that I wanted to, we were laying in bed one night because I always slept with her because I was just scared. So I always slept with her. And we were laying in bed one night and I said, I want to make a video for about my story and record me and my testimony. Because if I die, my story will die with me too. And I appreciate you sharing that. When your mom told me that for a kid that young to make a decision like that, to tell a story like that is, I mean, I don't even have words for it. So I appreciate you, you sharing that. You know, coping with such trauma requires immense strength. And I think that you've exhibited a lot of that. Can you share some of your coping mechanisms or strategies that you developed or sought out during your uh, journey of healing? Yeah. Well, my main strength is I'm a Christian. So I I just rely on God so much. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And But not only that, I love to run and running brings up like, for example, going on a long run, just out, like being in nature alone. It just gives me time to think and process and just kind of be with my thoughts and myself for a while and just have that alone time that's needed. And it, it's really nice. Running workouts get a lot of anger out, just sweat all the anger out. But I also love to like weightlift. So that, that can, I, I guess, that. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a given that kind of, I guess, yeah, makes sense. Out. Yep. You can't do just cardio. Yeah. But I'm currently in track. I'm, I train pretty much all year for it. And that's really helped. And yeah. So seeking justice and support is an important part of the healing process for many survivors. Have you pursued any legal action against your father or found support services to aid in your healing journey? Yes, I have. It's just difficult to talk about. Um, I should take your time. um, I've been failed by so many people and pretty much whoever, not towards you or anyone kind of recent because you guys are helping, but um, pretty much everyone I've talked to either one doesn't report it or just kind of leave it behind them and they just don't do anything about it. Like, like I don't matter. And I think if any kid was going or any, just any person going and telling someone like a important figure in their life or anyone that they know what they're going through, given my context of my story, those figures those adults would absolutely do something just in their right mind. It's so hard to think about how my school, my headmasters, multiple people within my own school, I had told my middle school principal 
all of my sexual assault that I've been through. And she proceeded to force me to go with my father that same day that I told her that. Do you want to drop the school's name? If not, you don't have to, but you can if you want to. There's a platform for it. That's up to well, you. Yeah, I, I will. The school is Grace Christian Academy. Uh, it's in Franklin, Tennessee. It's in like Leaper's Fork. There's also a church connected to it. It's called Grace Chapel. Uh, and it's ran by Steve Berger. He's the pastor there. But not only did my school family and still force me to go with my father, who had abused me like all my life, the church that I went to that is connected to that same school failed me as well. My brother went to talk to the pastor, Steve Berger, about my abuse and everything that was going on in my family and how he needed help and just urging him to help us because Grant thought he could trust him because of, I mean, he's a pastor. But no, actually at his funeral, there was a speech given by the pastor and he said that Grant had came in there to talk about God which is wrong. Um, He did not. He wanted help. And Steve Berger just shut that down. And anytime my situation or my brother's situation gets brought up to anyone, my school, my church, just literally anyone, the Gallatin PD, they just shut it down. And that hurts because we've worked so hard and to just fight for what is right. And my brother died doing so. And he was going to help me. He was going to go testify for me to help me and save me. Um, And he was gone. He was killed. So that says a lot in itself. We've just been very failed and by everyone that I've known. And the only person who hasn't failed me is my mom and my brother. So, yeah. Well, a couple of things uh, that, that I just want to say to you, you know, I haven't known you very long, but um, one thing you said earlier in this is that that makes you feel that you don't matter. Well, you, you absolutely do matter. And it is my goal along with, you know, a lot of the other creators on social media to make sure that your story gets out there and that justice gets served one way or the other to him. And for people who are, this is the first episode that you're listening to, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to the one before this one where Gracie's mom, Angie, speaks it's decoding the death of grant solomon because for a lot of y'all sitting there hearing this for the first time without knowing a lot of the background like how could you know a monster like this get away with this and not be held accountable i think that it's important to understand that this is a person an individual with a lot of money a lot of influence a lot of social standing and he has the ability just to make things go away, like a good old boys club, or you could even almost compare it to an Alec Murdoch kind of thing, where you know Alec Murdoch eventually got caught, but he got away with what he was doing for decades. And when I tell you that his sphere of influence is high, this is a man who sat next to Tennessee's governor, Bill Lee, in church. He has friends in the TBI and various law enforcement and my personal opinion, if I had to guess, is that's why when Grant was killed, it was in Gallatin, Tennessee. I have a feeling that Gallatin, Tennessee, Sumner County, Tennessee, was probably chosen strategically, if I had to guess, because of 
a sphere of influence. And for those of y'all who who were listening to this for the first time, do go listen to that because that is one of the things that's been very frustrating for for Gracie and for her mom, and even for Grant when he was alive, is that all of this stuff got shut down because of who he was. Even and I've even seen the messages when people hear about their story. Journalists, they want to do interviews with Grant, with Gracie or Angie about Grant or about Gracie's story. And as soon as it's run by producers, it gets shut down. I saw that last week, I think, from your mom. So we are, myself and a lot of other creators who have platforms are really trying hard to use. So I would encourage listeners to definitely share this story, get it out there, share this episode, share the playlist or any other creators that are talking about this because it is important that it gets a lot more attention. So how did these experiences, both positive and negative, shape your path to healing and how the legal system handles cases like yours? Well, I'd like to start off by saying that given all the bad experiences that I have endured from just my life has made me realize that I don't deserve this and that I just need to overcome it, even though that's a hard journey to go through and it has been, but I know I can get through it. And there hasn't been many good experiences. Um, if I'm being honest, they're probably like none, <laughs> but hopefully that'll come soon. But all of the bad experiences have made me realize how strong I am. And the sad thing is I had to find out that way. But I know I can handle a lot and I'm willing to fight. And that kind of helps me heal in a way. I get that. Yeah. The court system needs to do a better job. If I'm being blunt, I don't know what's going on, but they need to do a much better job because ever since I have reported this and everything that I've gone through, they have made me go back to my father every single time. The court system never wanted me to go with my mom. So it was either my dad or it actually ended up being DCS custody. Um, in I think it was May 2021, I was put into DCS custody all the way until September. I got to go back home for an at-home trial. And then I officially was removed from DCS custody in December of 2021. So I was fully in DCS custody from May of 2021 to December of 2021. But I was in the, I guess you could say foster home from May to about September. And it was a wonderful family, but all I wanted to do was go home. And I wasn't eating that much. I lost some weight. I couldn't talk to my mom that much. I only was able to have like 10 minute calls um, monitored. So that was, it's just so frustrating that, well, also I want to preface all of this by saying my father has made the court believe that my mother has brainwashed me into thinking all of these things that have happened to me. And I just do not understand. First of all, no, she has not. But I don't understand that they would believe that a child was being brainwashed, all of this. But I have gone through so much and I have 
spoken up so many times. And I don't think a child would do this just to lie. I just don't understand. And I don't, I do not want anyone else to go through that because it's not fair. Being separated from the only person that has held me together and she's just supported me so much. And I, we're just like best friends, uh, me and my mom. But being separated her over and over and over again, being separated her from my father when he took us away from her, living with him because the court told us from like court orders and then eventually being put into DCS custody right after my brother passed away. I mean, they really need to do a better job and no one else should go through this. It's just unfair. And it's still scary to think that they could, with the snap of a finger, they can just do that. And it's still in the back of my mind that, you know, what if they did do something like this again? And it's hard. And I really think that whatever is going on behind the scenes, that needs to stop because that could happen to a lot more children. So I I think what we've learned too from uh, a a friend of both of ours, Zach uh, Heath, that uh, Tennessee has a real big problem with children in the system. I think we rank 50th, right, in Tennessee? Tennessee ranks 50th in the country. So it's it's a big problem behind the scenes. And uh, I know that that's, aside from helping fight for justice for you and Grant, that's another thing that he's trying to, to bring some light to. So thank you for sharing that. I know that I, I can't imagine how frustrating going through, you know, the, the system that's supposed to protect you, not. And I just... I did not know some of what you said and the fact that he could try to gaslight some of what he's tried to gaslight, like you can't get brainwashed into actual experiences that you've been through. I know what happened to me. I, I know what I felt, you know, I can't trust anyone at this point, given what I just told you. Yeah. The, you know, the whole purpose of gaslighting is to make you feel like you're crazy and you're not. Again, I, I'm with you. A child is not going to arbitrarily make up accusations like this. Yeah, thank They're you. just not going to. No. They're just not going to. And no. for the most part, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, with the exception of Amber Heard, believe the victim. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm just to it. But no, it, it's one of those situations where so many people are, are willing to, in these cases, victim blame. And I've unfortunately done a lot of videos where, where we talk about this kind of stuff and, and people will come in and be like, oh, it was what they're wearing or what they were doing. Like, no, it doesn't matter. That's not an invitation. It's not. And again, you were a child. There's nothing you were wearing at three, four, five, six, seven. It doesn't matter. Anyways, that would have been provocative to these people. So it really frustrates me that people try to gaslight like that and victim blame and tell you that you're making things up and making you seem crazy because it's just, it's just not true. Right. And I know that's not true. I know you wouldn't make that. So... Healing from childhood sexual assault is an ongoing process, obviously. Can you share some pivotal moments or strategies that have helped you find healing and rebuild your life? Well, to start off, I honestly just kind of push myself through it. There's no real strategies or, I mean, besides surrounding myself with people that I love and doing things that I love to do, just surrounding myself with good things and only good things has helped me, um, my friends and everything like that. But the main thing is just knowing how I am still here going through all of that, all the sexual abuse from when I was literally a 
baby or a toddler from when I was a preteen or teenager. And then my brother dying, being separated from my mom, knowing that I'm strong enough to still talk to you right now, that I'm still alive, that I haven't fallen down that negative path. I'm I'm just pushing myself every day. And that's kind of what keeps me going is knowing that I have been strong enough to still be here. That's what keeps me going is just my strength, I guess. I appreciate that. And, and what you have experienced at only 16 is several lifetimes worth of trauma. So definitely take in the wins when you can and just bask in them because they're well-deserved and they're well-earned. And I know that when you're worried about that, it's probably past trauma creeping up on you trying to tell you that you shouldn't do it, but you should. You've totally earned it. So the next thing I want to ask you uh, or talk to you about is I think it's very inspiring to see how you have turned your pain into strength in like so many different ways. Have you found yourself becoming an advocate for survivors of abuse and assault? And if so, how do you channel your experiences into raising awareness and supporting others? Yeah, I absolutely see myself as an advocate and I want to be one when I'm older as well. Talking to you and talking to all these people kind of sparks that, I guess. I kind of just channel my anger towards the system and how people can just get away with this. And I want to share my story so that no one else feels alone like I did. I was just so alone and I had no one to talk to except my brother. Um, And he's gone. So thank God I'm with my mom now. But I mean, I was so alone. And if there are other girls or guys or just anyone going through um, what I went through, I just want, or what I'm going through, I want them to know that they're not alone. And everything that I've been through just sparked something in me to just use that experience as something to help others. And I just, I really don't want more people to go through this and I want that to come to an end. So if I can do anything to help that simmer down and eventually come to an end, I will do anything. And that's what I'm using my voice for. And I guess starting now in little ways along the way. Yeah, it all starts it all starts somewhere. Yep. So before we conclude, what advice or words of encouragement would you like to share with other survivors of uh, childhood? I'm just going to generalize abuse because you've been through all kinds of abuse. So what would you like to share with other survivors of abuse or anyone listening who might be struggling with their own uh, healing journey? Well, you're not alone. Use your strength within you to fight for yourself or fight for others that you know that are going through that because you will get justice. Um, And that's what I hope for myself. It's just hard to say because I, I know it's so hard. I struggle with it daily, but you just can't give up. As hard as it, as it is, you're not alone and someone will listen. Just like right here, Justin's listening. <laughs> but 
someone there's a lot more people than just me listening to this i can assure you <laughs> but you know i think everyone has a place within them to fight for it and you just have to stay strong i think that's really good it's really good advice so what can people do to help you and grant on the path to justice well we have a few gofundmes i think we have my gofundme um it should be on change.org. It should be under Freedom for Gracie. If you um, want to send me a link, I can add it to my website as well. It. Yeah. And then there should be one that's about an investigation for Grant because we really need to reopen this because it was never thoroughly investigated and it's just so wrong. It was just shut down. I mean, doing all of this takes a lot of money we've just kind of been stripped from that. So it would be awesome if you guys could donate to the GoFundMes and repost anything that you see under Freedom for Gracie. Lots of things go under this. I mean, just spread the word. Um, That's pretty much all I can say, but just spread it around, spread it to those you know that, that could help. Donate, pray, anything. Even if it's a small step, it'll it'll help. And one thing I want to say, so they know, uh, so the GoFundMe, let me explain what this is looking to go towards. If you, if you go and listen to the previous episode as well, which if you, if this is the first one you're listening to, definitely go back and listen to the other one because they're different stories with the same, the same monster. But here's what the money goes for. Lawyers are really expensive and Gracie has to have them in, two states because of what she's trying to pursue. They're trying to exhume Grant's body because it never, Aaron, the father, refused the autopsy. And at the time, Angie, his mom, had no rights. And these circumstances were very suspicious. And if you want to know more, again, go listen to that episode. Uh, they also want to do an independent vehicle investigation where they can get it re, you know, the, what's it called, like an accident reconstruction specialist. Again, all of this is, is expensive. And so, you know, even if it's a dollar, if it's 50 cents, it all adds up. So that mm-hmm. is what the money is going towards. It's it's not going towards anything else other than things to basically pay off the legal system to to get long overdue answers. Yes. Well, I want to thank you, Gracie, for your extraordinary strength in sharing your story and shining a light on the journey of healing from all sorts of childhood abuse and trauma. Uh, Your courage will undoubtedly inspire countless others who are on their own path to recovery. And to our listeners, if you or someone that you know is suffering or going through this type of abuse, please call someone. Please be there to get them help. It's not something that people can get through alone. (laughs) 